Susan. Hi, Diana. It's so good to see you again. I missed your face. I know. You're this smiling, is so much, it's so much more fun face. to see you. <laughs> you too. I agree. I love it. I agree. I'm really glad that I improved my tech skills and I'm able to Zoom. Yes, <laughs> I, I love it. it. It's nicer to talk um, if we can't be in person to you know see each other through the computer. So oh, I'm so glad you wanted to come back on and talk because you have um, this amazing knack for amazing conversations um, with your intellect as well as your um, just um, your energy and your awareness. So it always makes for a beautiful conversation. So thank you. Thanks for having me. I love chatting with you. And I just want to tell everyone who's listening that you may remember Susan from earlier on when I first started the pod um, a few months back. It's actually only been six months. I feel like it's been longer, Mm -hmm. but um, Mm -hmm. Susan's pod is number two. And, and, you know, she, she recorded like a few months into it. So the fact that she's number two says a lot about the subject and, and, you know, just your presentation of, of the information people are really, um, I think hungry for information about homeschooling and also, Mm -hmm. um, these conversations because we're, we're really in, um, you know, we're in a little bit of a, a challenging time globally, mm-hmm. spiritually, yeah. politically, you know, health wise. I mean, Definitely. let's we can go on and on, physical and mental. Um, and so, I think that that's one of the reasons why people are so drawn to listening to you. Certainly, it is for me. I mean, I wish we could have coffee talk every day, but I'll just settle for <laughs> listening to you because you don't have the time to talk <laughs> to me every single day. Um, catch us up on, on what's been going on and let's, um, let's dive in. Yeah, let's dive in. Yeah. I mean, I just love being on your podcast and you're right. People just really are craving the homeschooling information too. I actually was a little surprised how deep we got into it. Cause I could sense that your interest in learning more. Um, and actually, as you know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to come back on because there was something I said that was just bothering me. Um, since that call. And of course, it was the last thing I said. Um, and so, I, yeah, I wouldn't mind just starting there if you don't mind. Please go right pick, ahead. All right. Pick up where we left off. So Diana has like an awesome way of ending her podcast every time. And um, she asked me like, what advice do I have for parents? And I felt so clever. I found an old um, blog that I had written. And the first two things I had written are to remember that children are people and that parenting is a relationship. And on my blog, that was it. That's where I ended it. Just two things. But then I had this like burst of inspiration. And maybe maybe this is like meant to be. I don't know. Where I, I added um, to like remember that be- behavior is communication. And I think I went so far to say that all behavior is communication. And I didn't think much of it. Um, but then I sent the podcast to... Um, my therapist for Carter, um, the spell to communicate, and they actually didn't write me back. But as I just started making the connections, I was like, wait a second, this is exactly what Dana has told me is that not all behavior is communication. And it just got under my skin because of, well, I still have a little perfectionism in me. Um, but it's not just that it's because I care so deeply, especially for parents of children with special needs. And there's such a huge learning curve right now. I know for myself, it's a huge learning curve, but just um, like for everyone, whether you've been parenting, like Diana's um, son is a little bit older or even like young adults, like there's so many new things all the time. And so it just bothered me so much that like, I might've said something that would either confirm something for someone or just, just not help their relationship with their child. So I just had to get back on here and set that straight. Um, And I think it's something we can talk a lot about, actually, because it's not that their behavior is never communication. For sure, our children are communicating with us with their behavior. And I have a good story. I can I can elaborate in a little bit. But it's that we can't always count on it. That's my interpretation. What would you say, Diana? Yeah, I think that that's um, I think that's pretty spot on. And, you know, you and I are kind of we're learning this new way of thinking 
sort of simultaneously. Um, yeah. You know, you down south and, and me up north, but yeah. wherever you are in the world, if you're if you're participating in spell to communicate, the philosophy is the same, and it is um, and it is science based. There's a lot of nuances and unfortunately um, debates about it, but um, mm-hmm. I just. For, for our listeners, I want to say that, you know, as you and I know, science is always evolving. And the reason why there's yes. not a lot of science on this particular therapy is just because of funding, really for why all science usually isn't evolving as quickly or while why all studies may not be getting done as quickly as we'd like to see them because it's just a funding issue. Um, so when we start these processes, it's like anecdotal evidence. And we see anecdotally how it's helping Carter and how it's helping Colin. And um, just the other day when I was practicing um, spell to communicate, which just uh, for, for the audience, it's basically um, um, a letter board format, just to refresh your memory. And your, your, your kids are going through a process of learning a lesson. Um, and then they're actually spelling words and answering questions on a letter board or a stencil. As a mom, because I want to practice with Colin more, the more he practices, the more I practice, the better we get, right? As with anything. And the whole goal is to get him to a point where he's conversational with spelling. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. can tell me all the beautiful things he's thinking about mm-hmm. and all the things that he really doesn't like. And um, mm-hmm. ask me questions. Yeah, Think about that. Like our, our kids can't answer us questions. And yeah. um, so the reason I tell that backstory is just to kind of paint a little bit of a visual. And so when it was my turn, the therapist had done her um, process with Colin, she does like three paragraphs and then I do two. And when it was my turn, I was so highly focused on, um, I think they call it position, position coaching, Mm -hmm. that I was getting a little off with my, um, with my rhythm, with the letter boards. And Colin was doing a beautiful job. He was keeping up. It was me that was lagging and he was being very patient with me. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times he even looked over at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but um, at the end of it, when I was reflecting, what I had realized was that I was so hyper-focused on the job uh, positioning coaching. I'm still learning these terms because if the child is not sitting in 90 degree angles, their body is thrown off, which throws off their senses, what goes back to the whole sensory motor cortex science part of this therapy. And the slightest bit, Colin loves to cross his legs. He's like an elderly man in that way. He loves to cross his legs and drink his coffee. (laughs) And that's his sort of go-to. And I had to keep reminding him both feet on the floor, both feet on the floor to spell. And um, what what um, the therapist reminded me at the end of the session is, Diana, just remember that it is um, a learned motor plan. So it's not like some people might say, oh, he's not focused or um, right. he's not self-regulated or right. and part of that is he's not self-regulated. But that's just one small example. But really yes. what it is, is that he is so conditioned to that motor movement of crossing his legs. And so yes. we just have to keep practicing both feet on the floor. And we put yes. like little X's to mark his feet. Um, and he's getting there. And I actually used an example in Colin's recent IEP. And his IEP team is amazing at school. And they're so open to learning and to hearing about the program that we're working on at home. And what came out in the IEP was that Colin's receptive skills are so strong and it's not that he isn't learning. It's, it's that the output isn't what they need for the way they're presenting the information to, to Colin. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I tried to explain was a really short little version of the whole learned motor movement 
and how it's just a matter of both forces coming together. So um, basically presenting in a way that he can um, relate to, that he's inspired by, that he is um, motivated by. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the way it's presented is so overused, so routine, so boring, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not being challenged. It's a very different way of looking at the way we do therapy with our kids. Yeah. Now, I would like to just, this is such a long-winded answer, I know, but I just want to like finish that with a couple weeks ago in Spell to Communicate in our spare bedroom where we do his therapy, Colin was having a, a difficult time. And um, internally, he was very upset. He was restless. He was um, dysregulated. His brain was... Uh, telling his body to do things that was out of his control. And before you know it, we had a small hole in the wall. (laughs) So it it is what it is. It's a learned behavior. But the last Mm -hmm. time we've had, we had a a small hole in the wall was um, about six months ago. Right. So I guess once again, we are giving him these tools. He's learning different strategies, the motor movement, um, he, he's learning new positive motor movements, new strategies, and trying to break the cycles of the old motor movements that were negatively yes. reinforced. Yes. Does, does, does this, I know it makes sense to you, but it was so it does, long-winded. But I'm still like, I'm learning from you because Carter, you know, Carter's not yet at the point where he's sitting and spelling. So just hearing that part about like the 90 degree angles and, um, and so this is kind of my thing. So for I'm going to have people listening to this that um, only have neurotypical children. So I want to just briefly explain a little bit what we're talking about here. Um, so um, when J.B. Hanley's book came out, um, Underestimated, about his son, I read that. And this was like completely paradigm shifting for me and, and for so many people around the world. Um, and he said it in his book and he's gone on podcasts and on his blog that everything he thought about his song was wrong. So it's one of those. And I've been talking a lot about that lately, right? Like where the world turned upside down, everything flipped and everything you thought you knew. And what kind of breaks my heart is how many parents still um, believe that their children don't understand or their intellect intellectually disabled. Now, I know everyone's unique. And so I take all of this like with a grain of salt. Like, you know, we don't know individually, but what I'm hearing from like JB and other people is that the vast majority of our children absolutely know what's going on. Absolutely are, are um, functioning at a much higher cognitive level than we're giving them credit for. Um, And so what we learned is that they're actually just not in control of their body. That's why we keep talking about motor stuff. It's, It's an issue in their motor part of their brain not the cognitive part of the brain, if you could split that up. And so like when we talk about receptive language, that means, okay, when they hear us, they know what we're saying. Um, And the thing that's been interesting with Carter, and I think this is actually typical of many children, is um, he's gone through different phases and he's only six years old where like, you know, we'd say, oh, we're going somewhere and he'd go right to the car. And now he's in a motor loop where even when I say we're going for a walk um, he'll still go to the car, like, even though he may know. And so it's very interesting. And, and the therapist also warned me about like having him always point to one picture in the same place and not having, you know, it's the same thing. So anyways, that's long story to say is that these motor behaviors, and that's why many of our children are not speaking because speaking is highly motor, which we don't think about, but our vocal cords are controlled by motor parts of our brain. It's not something we have to actively think about. The same thing with our fingers, right? Fine motor. Um, and so it is it's just like a totally different way of looking at your children, your special needs, your autistic children, non-speaking. And most of our therapists don't even know this. So then parents are in the position of like having to explain, maybe not saying, oh, definitely, but even just opening their minds to it. I think it's so huge. Like, you know, he understands everything, but he can't get his body to do the things we're asking to him to do all the time. Um, now, 
I do think like the emotional part, like they show us how they're feeling right through their emotion. Like, you know, obviously Colin was not happy when he put a hole in the wall. Like, I think that's pretty easy to tell. And the story I was going to tell of Carter is when we moved to Florida, we didn't really prepare him at all. He was, gosh, how old was he? He was four. And so um, we didn't really talk to him about it because we weren't in the habit. Like, this is a new habit for us to just keep him up to date. Like, what's going on in our family? What are we doing? And um, we arrived here after packing up our whole house and driving 12 hours. And we pull in the driveway and I'm like, we're home. And we got in the house and he had the worst meltdown of his life. Like, it, inconsolable, screaming, like, so upset. And it didn't take me long to figure out, like, hmm, he probably thought mom lost lost her marbles. Like, she's just gone and, like, lost her mind. Like, this is not home. Like, he said we were home and <laughs> we're in some strange place. And so that was, like, a little heartbreaking to realize later. But it was such a great learning moment, too, because once I learned about all this stuff through reading this book, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just need to be a better communicator with him and just always assume that he understands me. Um, so anyways, um, that's, that's a good that. story. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. It was like, it, it, yeah. It. Um, yeah. And I, it's so relatable, right? I mean, everyone, like you said, even in the neurotypical world can understand that, you know, imagine if you, the, for the neurotypical parents out there, if you, um, didn't tell your kid you were, you know, going somewhere. And like all of a sudden we just showed up. I mean, I think everybody can relate to that story Um, and they weren't mentally prepared, you know? Um, And, you know, it's, it's all learning experience for all of us. You know, that's why science Mm -hmm. is always evolving. Right, Susan. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's, it's trial and error for, for us in, in the autism world, because, um, science is so lagging it's way mm-hmm. it's way it's I mean I don't even want to say miles it's like I can't you can't measure how far behind science is in our world but we do have glimpses of it and enough of it to show like you said that sensory motor murder path and how it affects the speech and everything else and before we move on I just want to say that Colin was very he was upset when he Kick the hole. He made the hole, <laughs> but it didn't take him long to realize, oh my God, look what I just did to mom's wall. And he was Aww. very upset then that he actually created the hole for the, there was, there was sadness and remorse. And as we continued the spelling, cause I, I persevered through, I'm like, you're, this is the expectation. We're going to finish the lesson. You're not getting out of this because right. he's 16 now. So he's, he's he's held to higher standards, you know. Is he 15 or 16? 16. 16, yeah. He's the same as Marisol. That's right. Yeah, he just turned 16 in the summer. So he I do hold him to higher standards because I'm going to treat him like a 16-year-old, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I ignored everything that happened. And we persevered through the rest of the lesson. And at the mm-hmm. end of it, we talked about it. And I said, I know you didn't yep. mean to do it. I know your body didn't have control. But you know, we'll work on it. We just have to break that pattern. Yep. Next subject. Yeah. Well, I think um, it's kind of still related, but I I feel like, you know, like you beat yourself up for these little mistakes, but for me, it's actually a lesson in letting go. And like, um, I feel like so many times people are stuck um, and don't want to do something because they're afraid they're going to make a mistake. And so, yes, I made a mistake, but now we get to have another great conversation. So I feel like it's just like a great um, lesson, you know, that like to move forward, to say what's on your mind, because that's how we learn, right? Like I actually knew this whole idea of like Carter not being in control of his body and the behavior wasn't always communication. I had heard it multiple times from my therapist and yet I still said it. And to me, that just shows how... um, powerful. This actually is really good because it leads into something that I'm really passionate about, how our beliefs are subconscious. And so sometimes we think we know something in our head, but our our subconscious still hasn't learned the lesson. So we have to get deeper, you know, and sometimes it's just time, it's repetition, just like our kids, it's repetition, it's breaking those old patterns and bringing in new patterns. Um, 
And so I think it's so important for people to stop being scared of making mistakes and and to do something, to make a choice, to, you know, have a conversation. Um, and so that's that's just some thoughts that just jumped into my head. I don't know if there's anything popping out at you that you want to. I love that. Um, and I do think it was a great opportunity for you to come back on and talk because it really was eating at you for, you know, and, but it, it wasn't like, I would have to venture that for maybe only a handful of people that listened to that, your therapist and my therapist being two of them (laughs) actually picked up (laughs) on that. You were right. I think the rest of everybody else truly understood what your intention was behind that statement. And um, we were learned, I'm sorry, we were taught we did learn early on with the autism diagnosis that, you know, behavior typically is communication. And um, I think it can be, you know, like you said earlier with pain and um, frustration and emotions, but it's not always, and it doesn't have to be. And we're, we're just trying to open up the world to some of the techniques that we have learned and now know to be true. And, um, I just think that it, it kind of goes as far as putting things out there and like sort of being brave and just putting it out there. I think it goes back to how does that feel to you? Right. And it, at the time it felt really good for you because you said it was very spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, and that's sort of how I am every day. And even on these podcasts, like what comes out is very spontaneous. I do. I don't do a ton of preparation. Um, there's a basic outline, but everything mm-hmm. is just very organic how it unfolds. Yeah. And it what what comes out is what feels right energetically. And, you know, um, I'm yeah. not working against Makes the green sense. sort of thing. And mm-hmm. same thing with what I put on my social media pages to um to share with everyone yeah. about the Maryland Autism Project. Same thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um there are sometimes I hesitate to post and then I'm like, no, but this feels right, even if it is controversial, even if it is controversial to everybody else, not for <laughs> obviously not for me. It feels good to me, even if it isn't the standard or the norm. Yep. So I so I go with that. So that, that's, that's pretty much how I feel. Like I, you know, I, I think we're aligned in that way. You just go with what feels good and energetically. And yeah, I think you and I are very similar in that way. And, um, I think the theme, um, I told you, I, I I thought maybe this podcast could be called always learning. And there's a couple connection points for me. Um, when I first started learning about, um, unschooling, which is long before Carter, um, I was on a Yahoo group, <laughs> pre-Facebook, and it was called Always Learning, and it was uh, ran by a woman named Sandra Dodd. So if people really want to learn more about unschooling, she is amazing. She has an awesome website. You can look up Sandra Dodd. Her last name is D-O-D-D. And Always Learning was just such a powerful impact on my life. And I feel like that's what we're talking about. Like, we're still, we're going to be learning for the rest of our lives, which is what all human beings should be doing. But, you know, like when I met you in 2019, I think that, isn't that when we met 2019 was that event in DC? Yes. Um, yes. So Carter was like three and a half and we still were in that, like, well, he'd probably be um, like, I think I even told you when we met that day, I'm like, he'd probably be diagnosed autistic, but we hadn't done any testing. Like we had just been parenting him. and. Um, so I, I still feel very new to all this, to be honest, because he just got diagnosed when he was four and he's six now, you know, so I still feel, very much feel like a newbie. I'm learning so much at such a fast pace. Um, but I love this quote that um, one of my business mentors actually brought it to my attention by Nelson Mandela. And it's it's like he said, I never lose. I either win or learn. And I think that is so powerful because it's just like it totally flips your perspective on things and just makes you so much more brave to just try things and to get yourself out there. And I feel like I've just been on such an intense um, learning spurt right now between Carter and learning about um, autism and all this motor stuff and therapies. Um, And then I've been learning for my business, too, which is like super fun for me. 
And it's just been such a relief um, because in the time period before that, from about 2019 through early 2021, I was just more obsessed with what's going on in the world, which I guess is a certain kind of learning, but this feels like, you know, learning that's really relevant to my family and helping the people directly in my life. So that's kind of where I'm at with all that stuff. So um, there's, there's a couple thoughts. Um, When you said back like in 2017, 2018, I guess, you were more interested in what was going on in the world. And I get that because I think that I was there too. And it was for a reason because um, you and I are, again, very aligned in our belief system. And um, so I think that we were just trying to navigate and figure things out in a world where we felt like we were in the major minority. I mean, like in the negative. <laughs> so, and then it just became That's what it felt like for sure. Um, and then we mm-hmm. had have definitely found our, our place in, our, in the world with our support mm-hmm. system. And um, it's a growing by the day. Mm-hmm. But certainly COVID turned things upside down like it did for everyone. And um, now I just find it so interesting because you are helping me to learn. It's not it's not that I'm learning. I, I'm intuitive about it when I've had too much input about the world. But yes. you are just like, yes. just unplug. <laughs> and that's what I need is those reminders yeah. like, just don't even look at it. Just mm-hmm. don't even listen because it's, it's no longer yeah. an alignment and, and it's like fighting what, what our path is actually do, you know, what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, this has been a process for me it, and I think it's a process for everyone. It's not like overnight you can just completely unplug. It's definitely like a gradual thing where you do it more and more. And the, the cool thing is, is that the more you unplug and really focus on what's important in your life, and everyone knows what's important in their life. If you ask them, they'll say my kids, they'll say my spouse, they'll say, you know, my parents, you know, it's relationships, it's relationships that's important in your life. And everyone knows it, but we have habits. Habits are ingrained in our life. And then we have those subconscious beliefs too. And those beliefs are are coming from our childhood and they're coming from propaganda that we've grown up in that we've like our lives have literally um it, it's like we're in a soup and we're just simmering in it you know and so it's not an easy thing it's not easy but the thing is is that if you do the work if you work on your beliefs and start to examine why am i doing these things is it really helpful for me is it really good for my family what i'm doing and you start examining them, you start trying, you take a little baby step, you know, you're like, okay, today, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna scroll my social media for at least this hour. And then that feels kind of good. So then you do it a little bit more. And so even for myself, I've been preaching this stuff now for over a year, you know, but it's like, it keeps getting taken next level, like until the point where like, I think I, I texted you today, I said, I have no idea what's going on in the world. And I feel great. I feel amazing. And you uh, no, I was just going to say, like, I told you I was struggling. I was like, I, I, I have some anxiety right now because I accidentally stumbled onto, onto um, a, a news headline and it just made my whole chest feel like it was going to jump out, you know, of my skin. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and I want to preface to the listeners that like, I'm not a news watcher. Like I don't watch anything mainstream. Mm-hmm. I watch right. all independent reporting when I do watch and it's very sporadic and it's just enough to keep me informed right and to make good decisions but I told you for like a month now I I haven't even been doing that because everything is just so big and so over the top and and I like I said I accidentally fumbled on that and I was like no no I I want to take it back rewind that I don't want to see that because everything is just too much but um and yes your response was like I feel great because you've been unplugged the whole time no idea (laughs) you know it's it's this idea of being informed it's really a good one to dig into um Mm -hmm. and I talked a little bit about about this on Brittany's um Brittany Schaefer's podcast um, mm-hmm. The implication when we say be informed, okay, because there's always underlying um, beliefs, right? And there's underlying um, uh, connotations to words. So really, when we say being informed, the implication is almost fully informed, okay? And so it's 
and we're never going to be fully informed, right? It's impossible in this world of information and technology. It's just not possible. Um, so I absolutely agree with you that I'm not saying to be ignorant. I'm not saying that we shouldn't um, have some understanding of what's going on in the world. But I also think that there's something to be said for getting really, really strong in philosophy. What is your philosophy of life? How do you want to live your life? And what's most important to you? And that really will guide you every day. And then if there's something that pops up, you know, like that actually is impacting your children or or your spouse or, you know, your life, then yeah, be informed, go find the information, find, get second opinions. Like Diana said, like go to um, multiple sources of information. So I'm not advocating being ignorant, um, but I feel like that there's, that our balance is way out of whack as far as like how much we consume information and we value like quote knowledge versus our instincts and our intuition. And so I feel like we need to start raising the intuition back up um, so that can be more balanced. Okay, so for example, um, this is an example of what I think of as someone who's trying to be fully informed. And I have people in my family who are like that. They're, they watch the news every day. I actually, my husband's family and my family, they'll just have it on in the morning and they'll have it on at night all the time. And there's there's a real problem with that, in my opinion, because you're just constantly trying to be informed and it's not necessarily... Um, helpful for your life, for your energy, for your family, if you want to be create a creative person who's creating a better world. Um, and so my personal belief, and this is relatively new for me, is that we've been programmed with a belief that to be an informed citizen is the responsible thing to do. And I'd like to flip that upside down and say that it's irresponsible to constantly be trying, trying to be informed because then you're not living up to your potential. You're not um, delivering your gifts to the world. Um, so like I said, I'm not advocating for being ignorant at all. I'm, I'm not an ignorant person. Like I'm way informed on a lot of things, but there has to come a time where you say, okay, I've learned enough. I know how I want to live my life. And now I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go live my life and I'm going to make this the best possible life for my children and um, just for my family. So that's kind of where I'm at with the information and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, makes sense. Agreed. Um, there's a couple thoughts. So, uh, my, so Aiden, my oldest son got a little obsessed with watching the news and, um, mm -hmm. it was really during COVID. And I, I understand that it was mm -hmm. a scary unsettling time for a lot of people. And, um, mostly everybody was glued to the TV, I think except for some outliers, of course. <laughs> um, in any case, I really had to work with him because, you know, he was a couple years younger, right? Um, he's definitely more mature and aware now, but I really had to work with him and, um, and, and, and teach him about, first of all, the, the, the news biases, right? And then there's, um, what do you call it? The, the strategies they use to, to convince people really to get your attention and to, yeah. Yeah. Using fear. I would think, is that kind of what you're thinking of and things yeah, like I mean, that? I, I think fear was absolutely huge in COVID. Mm -hmm. I think it went way yeah. over the top. Um, mm -hmm. I think the, we're finding that out now that it mm -hmm. was way over the top reporting. And while I understand um, they were trying to, figure it out as they went, I think it to some degree became irresponsible because it was very fear provoked for a lot yeah. of people. Um, and there, you know, and now the other side of that is we have a major mental health crisis on top of mm -hmm. everything else. Um, yeah. but you know, so just to say that, um, on his own, Aiden stopped watching as much news, but along the way, he learned some really solid critical thinking skills, which mm -hmm. I feel so passionate about. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, just today I, I uh, read a quick post. Um, it, this was actually on um, Channel 45 local Baltimore, and it was mm -hmm. an incident that happened out in California a couple weeks ago. And it basically showed a very quick um, news clip. It was probably, 
I don't know, it was like a video that maybe was less than 10 seconds. And it showed a young boy um, who was in the cafeteria and he was pointing in an adult space and Mm -hmm. he did it twice. Did you see this? Mm -mm. Okay. And um, there were four adults present and just this one young boy. And he pointed in the adult space um, on two separate occasions. And yes, he was close, but he was a a child. And um, that's all it said. And then there was like clickbait that basically drew everybody to the article. And I was stunned to see the reaction of the people who watched that video. It was, sorry, the um, adult ended up being the principal. And the principal ended up shoving the kid on the ground. Oh, yeah. Dear. So, um, and I, I was just really so um, appalled and, you know, about the, the, the comments um, mm-hmm. from yeah. the people in this area about, um, you know, serves him right. Kid has no respect. You know, mm-hmm. when I was younger, they mm-hmm. would have whooped my butt, like things like that. And, I had, so this is where I push the envelope and say, this feels good to me because I'm representing my community. I'm representing my son. Right. right? And so I had to put some knowledge out there. (laughs) There's hundreds of people with every news story, thousands, a plethora of them that do not use one ounce of critical thinking skills if they are choosing to follow it and then all this negativity comes pouring out. And um, I had to set the Mm -hmm. record straight for our autistic community. And um, there was a lot of things wrong about that story, but, but it wasn't about the child pointing in an adult space. That was the only thing that wasn't wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. You know, it's, it's disheartening to see that, um, how many, um, so there, that, that's the energy that we're talking about. And that's what's yes. swirling around this intense media fear driven state that we're in. Yeah. Um, and I don't really know what we can do collectively to change that. All I know is that like individually, we just have to make our own choices to, yeah. to disengage or put out something that will hopefully put some positivity into the situation. Definitely. If you can, if it feels right. Yes. No, I know. And I mean, I've commented on things like actually when I started blogging, you know, that was kind of a lot of it was reactionary. Like, Oh, I saw this. And then I, I wanted to react to it. And um, I don't think there's, I think it's actually part of, of learning and growing. And like you brought up your son, I think with our children, we have to allow them to go through that process, right? Of like figuring out um, what works for them and what feels good. And so I'm not an advocate of like telling kids like um, what their line should be like, you know, you can't watch the news at all or anything like that. I have found with my daughter, because this is most relevant to her, she's 16, um, she, and, and this is personality, you know, I'm not saying every kid's like this, but she regulates herself better than I do for like, um, she has taken herself off of social media. Cause she realized it was actually in 2020. She realized how badly it was making her feel. Um, and she puts limits on herself because, but that's not to say she doesn't like her big thing is YouTube. My kids both watch a ton of YouTube. And she's more informed than I am on certain things, you know? And so we have discussions. We talk about things. And um, even for ourselves, you know, like I, I'm not saying I regret that I went through these various phases throughout my adult life of diving so deep into either current events or certain issues. I think they were necessary for me. And so I'm not trying to tell people like there's a one right way. You see what I'm saying? But I think that everyone has to realize and tune into their own intuition and how they're feeling to notice if what they're doing is serving them. I think is the most important question because when it gets to a point for me, the the story that I'm always going to share is um, I was swinging Carter out in the hammock. We had just moved to Florida and it was 2021 
uh, like on Facebook. And I just had this revelation that I thought I was like doing something good to help the world by sharing and, and, you know, different, different news things or like my take on them. And maybe I was helping some people. I'm not saying I wasn't, but at the same time, I realized I was like literally poisoning myself. Like it was not good for me and it was not good for my kids anymore. And so I think you just kind of have to always be tuning into yourself and your own life, how you're feeling, what you're doing in your life. And, um, you know, life is a journey. There's not like, you know, you don't arrive and then that's how you do things. You're always changing and growing and evolving. So, yeah, I think that was beautifully said. You just always have to tune in, take care of yourself first. Yes. Um, I wanted to, um, shift a little bit over back to like, um, unschooling and homeschooling because, you know, I, it's not surprising that your, that your pod is the second most listened to, um, on my pod. What I'm seeing all over the autism forums is people that are really desperate for guidance and support Mm -hmm. on how they can um, transition to to teaching and working with their kid at home, whether it be unschooling or, you know, some for, some um, uh, adapted curriculum. Yeah. Um, and what I'm seeing is a repeated pattern of sp- speech therapists and teachers. Um, there, there's a nationwide shortage. And so these children are not getting the services that they need or are owed on their IEP. And, um, and then there, there's just a lot of, a lot of things going on, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and, Mm -hmm. um, but that is the common theme that I've been seeing more and more recently. I don't know if you want it's falling to the parents basically because it's falling more and more and parents are searching. No, I'm glad. I'm, you know, in some ways, like I said, I'm, I'm like relatively new to, um, just if you want to call it the autism world or whatever, um, I'm, I'm very experienced in the unschooling world. So I do have a unique, um, just experience and perspective with it. And so I think what, has been so helpful for me is that I don't think about it and I don't worry about it because I've unschooled my kids for so long. And so I'm just continuing to parent Carter. You know, it's not the same way that I would parent my older two children, but um, it's kind of like I said, getting back to philosophy. I already had this um, core philosophy of how I want to parent my child. Um, And so I do have like a certain um, confidence and, and calmness and how I parent him. Um, I will say that working with his therapist is really helpful for me. Like I, and that's something I've been thinking about, something I want to write about soon. It's like having an accountability partner. It's like having someone to brainstorm with me and to keep me motivated. Um, and so I'm new to that, you know? Um, so it is heartbreaking to hear of families that aren't getting the services they need you know, and for a lot of families, it's respite too, you know, which is what really broke my heart during 2020. It was when parents were, I know you experienced, like when your child's no longer in the school or the program that they were in. Um, but my, my wheels are just turning now. I, I don't have any like um, real hard, um, like, here's what parents should do. Um, but I think this should be an ongoing conversation for sure. Um, because it is so important. Um, I know, I know, you know, my friend, Laura Swain, who helps with homeschoolers mm-hmm. and I love her philosophy because she's like, you know, we're all born learners. And I think that, I think the same true holds true for our autistic children too. I don't think they're, um, like different in that way. They're still born learners. Um, it just looks different for them and it might take longer. Um, I think one of the most beautiful lessons we learned from JB's book and now with Bell to Communicate is the idea to never underestimate our children, to always, um, to always um, believe that they they can do the next thing. And like, I love your story of what, of when Colin made a hole in the wall that you're like, we're going to finish this because you weren't, 
saying you weren't lowering the standard for him. You know, you were saying, I'm, I believe in you, you can do this, you know? And so that's something that we are really just slowly ratcheting up in our house for Carter, because we really did like treat him like our baby for so many years, you know, which was fine. He was little, you know, but we're learning now to like, okay, you're getting older. We need to like raise the expectation. So um, I don't know. Do you have any like specific questions that maybe I could help parents with, like with homeschooling? That well, well you, you had brought up that, um, you know, during COVID, I definitely um, got a big taste of what that was like transitioning Colin from, you know, a really heavy duty routine every day, which he did love and he did thrive in. Um, right. To, being at home. Um, now I don't want to, you know, paint a picture that that was all that was going on. Khan was having a really hard time in general in life during that time because puberty set in seizures set in. So, um, there was a period of time where we were navigating a lot of, um, medical specialists and, um, trying to, you know, get him stable. You know, those yeah. who have listened to my pod know that Colin has his green card and he uses CBD, he uses medical marijuana. I'm, yep. you know, very comfortable talking mm-hmm. about that. It helps, it helps my child. And I think it helps so many others. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that it's finally legal to use that as uh, for medicinal yeah. purposes. But Colin was not a learner who was going to respond positively virtually. It was never going to happen. So, you know, he did respond to music because he's very musically motivated. He loves music. Um, He loves music videos. So his music therapist and him always met his speech therapist and him met, I think two or three sessions a week and same with OT. There were a couple co-treats, but they were only like 20 minute sessions. They were really short. What I had to learn to do, and there were no academics during that time because he couldn't attend. Um, it just wasn't a possibility. I, I hurt myself. I pulled my back because I ha- he kept leaving. He kept, you know, getting up out of the chair and, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it, I wish I would have learned, knew a little bit more back then what I know now about the whole motor movements and control bit, because I think it would have served me a little Mm -hmm. bit better, but I ended up just saying, we're done. We're not going to be accessing virtual. And that was the best thing for us. And so I did have like about a year, um, um, gosh, I think it ended up being like 15 months of no school at all. Mm -hmm. So what we did was... I consider it my crash course in unschooling (laughs) and we just focused on being in the natural learning environments, our everyday world, creating our own routines. And um, there were many, many teachable moments throughout the day. We worked on functional living skills and leisure skills and nutrition and, you know, working on trying to heal his gut still not healed, but we did get a lot of progress. Um, so the, so there was, I think even though you might not have a concrete answer to the question about, you know, what, what is this influx of parents who have kids with autism going to do? I think the take home is that there's that whole organic way of learning wherever you are, you don't need a school building. And ABA is very, very functional and successful for many, many students, but not all students. And I'm, I'm not going to say anything negative about it because it helped Colin for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I am finding other alternative therapies that are helping him far more. Yeah. You know, Diana, what you just said was perfect. I mean, that's, what, when, how you just described what you did in that year, I mean, that was beautiful. And I think that like any family that took that and realized, oh, that's what I need to do. Like in some ways, um, I can actually do more structure for my kids a lot of times than I do. And that's just because it's not a strength of mine. I'm such a go with a flow person. And so, um, 
like, it sounds like you did amazingly well with Colin. And like, you know, I know you love getting out, getting him out too. Like when you talk about the natural environment, like getting him out on hikes and walks and he loves the ocean and like all of those things are so, so important. Um, my, one of my big focuses has always been for my big kids, my neurotypical kids is the social aspect. Like we need to find at least a couple good friends and we need to get together with them regularly. And I haven't focused a lot on that with Carter, um, like him specifically, but he's always along for the ride, you know, like he's always there when we go to the parks and when we go to friends' houses. And actually he's just learning to like kind of hang out in a friend's house. Like recently, like we were at a friend's for half an hour and previous to this, I pretty much dropped the kids off and then picked them up, you know? And he came in and like, he was really loud and excited for a bit. And Marisol looked kind of like, oh, geez, <laughs> there's my brother. But he like <laughs> comes down and he kind of like sat on the couch near like the three moms and the baby. And just kinda, like, it was like literally like 30 seconds to a minute. Okay, Diana, because he doesn't sit super still. But I was right. like, oh my gosh, look at my kid just like hanging out on the couch there. And then he ended up playing with like the floor rugs and like just entertaining himself for like a good 10, 15 minutes. And it was awesome. And I'm like, oh, this is so nice. I'm like hanging out in someone's house with Carter, which it, it's new. And that's, I think that's the thing, especially for parents of children with younger autistic children, like, um, you, we really have to appreciate the small little, like, you have to notice them like, oh my gosh, we just did something huge. You know, like his big progress at therapy the past nine months has been, he's staying in one room now. That's like huge progress. Like before he was like going to all the rooms in the office, you know? So just those little things. So yeah, it's, it's such a journey. I think it's, more challenging I don't want to say it's more challenging it's a different kind of challenging when the kids are younger for sure and what I have learned is, and I'm I will openly admit this um I, I feel like um in the younger years because there it was so much and I work full-time I, I don't know how I did that I don't remember a lot of it um I did everything I was supposed to do and I did it well and successfully. <laughs> and so, um, so then what happened was on the weekends, I was pretty much like, we were, we were a hermit. Like everyone just stayed in the house and even our neighbors yeah. are like, well, what's up with them? But then, you know, it got a little easier <laughs> as we got old, as the kids got older. And um, then I would say that now that Colin is 16, what we, what we did over the summer and, and it wasn't my idea. It was another lovely parent whose child goes to school with Colin. She um, gathered, she reached out personally and basically created this social group for, for us on the weekends. And so there's like 10 families and not everybody shows up all the time. And sometimes it's just a couple people and sometimes it's six people and sometimes it's 10 people, but it is an opportunity to get the kids together. Now that they're a little bit older outside of the school setting in nature, you know, in a social, social environment and um, gives the parents time to talk and, you know, have meaningful conversations. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful to her that she yes. coordinated it. Because it's so, it's opened up our world socially, which is um, so important. That sounds awesome. I love it. Um, It's beautiful. So um, we are getting close to the hour, if not already surpassed it. We could talk (laughs) for five hours, but I think people (laughs) might not be able to hang in there with us. But I, before we sign off, um, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about a wonderful opportunity that you're sharing with everyone. It's coming up soon at the end of September. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, so I am kind of kicking off this challenge. Um, it's for medical freedom advocates and it's a five day challenge. It's free. Um, and I can calling it the get moving challenge. Um, so kind of 
we kind of talked about it earlier today, but it's, just for, it's for anyone who feels kind of stuck and people are stuck for various reasons. Um, maybe they're very anxious. Um, maybe they feel overwhelmed by what's going on in the world or, or how large the problems seem. Um, some people just feel stuck more like a depressed stuck, you know, because they, they feel hopeless maybe. Um, so there's lots of different reasons that we can get stuck. Um, and so what I have seen um, through my life and then through the people I've been working with and coaching the past year is that there are things that we can do and we have commonalities. And so I'm, I'm hosting this challenge. It's five days. It's going to be very light. It's not like a huge commitment. I will come on every day at 11 a.m. and do lives in the private group and just focus on one small thing, one small teaching, and then give you one really small thing to do. It probably won't take you you know, five, 10 minutes each day. Um, and the focus is to get moving. And when I say get moving, I mean energetically, because I truly believe when our internal energy is moving, then that's when we'll start seeing it outside. We'll start taking more action in our lives. Um, and when I say take action, I don't want people to feel intimidated, like they're doing some huge thing. You know, it's, it's small steps that get us on a path to feeling better about our lives. That sounds wonderful and beautiful and so inspiring. And of course I'll participate because I participate in as many things as possible that, that you um, lead because I just love you so much. And um, you you really are. I mean, I don't know if everybody remembers, but Susan was a teacher (laughs) um, years ago and now she's just a different kind of teacher and we all need Susan in our life. She's quite the inspiration. Oh, that means so much to me. Thank you for saying that. And I'm looking forward to having you there because I feel the same way. Like it's an energetic exchange, right? Like we inspire each other. Um, And I truly feel that way about everyone I've worked with. Um, It's, it's an ongoing experiment. Um, I'm loving it. And I, that's what I want to do. I want to share my energy with people and just show them because I think sometimes people look at me and maybe they are a little, um, like they love me, but they're like, oh, I couldn't be like that. Like Susan, she's like, I am life or something. <laughs> like there's something. And I'm like, I just want people to know I was not always this way. I had that anxiety. I had, you know, apathy or like just feeling de-energized or or overwhelmed. I I felt all those things. And so I understand I've been there. And that's what I want to share with you is how to start taking those steps to to feeling like this, feeling like on fire for life. And where you can just text your friend and be like, oh, this is the best day ever. I'm having the best day ever. And yesterday was the best day ever. And tomorrow is going to be the best day ever. And so um, that's that's my mission. I absolutely love that. And um, I'm looking forward to it. August was was a bit hard. Mm-hmm. And the summer in, was in hard, my I world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's been um, hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm certainly, you know, I still have all the tools that I, you know, always use, you know, the, the meditation, the deep breathing, the walking, the, you know, prayer journaling, this, my pod is such a um, therapeutic process for me and, and real therapy talking with someone, but Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit of a different um, process when you have an actual, when you show up every day, what this one's for five days and you show up for yourself and you receive inspiration and guidance from someone else. It's a different process and experience. And I think it lasts longer. Yeah. That's been my experience anyway. I've had this imagery in my head the past couple of days and it's not something new for me, but I think of it with unschooling a lot, but you just made me think of it. There's times in our life where we kind of need to prime the pump, you know, the old wells where you had to, you had to pump them. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the water didn't come up right away. When you prime the pump, you have to, you have to keep going until the water finally starts flowing. And there's just times in life where we just need a little extra, you know, like you have so many tools you're doing, like, you're like, I'm doing all the right things, but sometimes we just need a little extra to get us started, you know, to um, spark that flame again. And so I agree with you. I've been thinking the same thing. Like I have the people that I'm looking for to for this inspiration and motivation and inspiration. It's like exercise. You don't just do it once and then you're done or eating healthy. Like all of these things are things that you have to continually do their practice. And if you start feeling stagnant in one area of your life, 
the first thing is to notice it, right? Like we keep talking about that. You have to actually notice it. And then once you notice it, you can do something about it. You can be like, oh man, I'm just feeling like a little less inspired than I want to. So let me go find inspiration. You can actually seek it out. So I love that, that you said that, Diana. Oh, uh, it felt good. <laughs> it felt right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I'm going to put the information in the pod notes, but do you want to just tell people again, just remind them of your page? Yes. Yes. So the easiest thing to do probably um, is to go to my new website. It's it's just riseupwithsusanmay.com because I have the right at the top of all the pages, the information for the Get Moving Challenge. Um, But I will also give Diana the link to go directly to the Get Moving Challenge where you can sign up. And like I said, it's free. You just got to put your name and email. I will encourage people, if you already follow me, if you're already on my email list or in my free group, you still need to sign up for the challenge so that you're getting those specific emails and reminders. Okay. All right. That sounds perfect. Well, I'm super excited. And um, the dogs and Colin are being very demanding right now. So (laughs) it's okay. We've been talking a long time. Yeah. I'm really glad to have this time with you again, Susan. Me too. So thank you so much. And I hope you have a a great night and a great weekend. You too. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Diana. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.